Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19, wow, of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be talking about an all-time classic movie, Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, we were really lazy this week, so we just chose an easy one. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before we get into that, let's talk about our past week. Yeah, um, we have a lot of news to get to, too. Yeah, more so news. Uh, yeah, so last week was the week of John, and we didn't say on our on our social media, but it was John's birthday last Wednesday. Yes, so, so I'm a year older, another trip around the sun, and yeah, we, yeah, we made it. <laughs> we had a long weekend, well, weekend, I don't even know, it was like five days, yeah, it was like all five days. John, so we're all Johned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why we've been really bad about posting and we're really bad hosts i feel like uh i <laughs> we don't, don't know keep on our game <laughs> um but aside from that i don't know if anything super new happened i know you are almost done with schitt's creek for real this time no i'm still on i'm on season five okay. right now season four everyone kept telling me wait till season four you can't like you're gonna die when you get to season four and they are so right because i finished almost all of it with in one like morning because I just could not put it down I was crying one episode dying the next crying again I'm like make it stop it was so good but no I'm on season five I think the last season season six which is on Hulu so I'll keep you updated once I get to that point gotcha well and like me nothing new aside from the fact that last week we did a bunch of stuff for my birthday uh but I haven't finished anything that I said I was watching last week catching up on some stuff still and hopefully by next week i'll have rick and morty done and paper mario but i don't know about the second one being done because it's a very long game but let's transition into news if we have nothing else personal about ourselves yeah and of course the biggest piece of news is that amc announced i believe last thursday or maybe it was friday that a hundred of their theater locations are going to be opening on August 20th and that two thirds of their U S locations will be open no later than September 3rd. If you are an A-list subscriber, you probably got a very lengthy email from yes, them detailing their reopening procedures. But if you're not, you can go to AMC's website. I haven't seen any of the other major theater chains make similar announcements, but it seems like the theater industry is really pushing to be open for uh, an early September start date when Tenet's going to be coming out, when Mulan's going to be coming out, when all of these bigger releases that have been delayed so long are going to start trickling into U.S. locations. Wait, it was so funny, though. I was watching TV and a commercial came on. Okay, so this is a movie coming out. The first new movie that, we, that will be being shown in theaters is this movie called Unhinged. Okay, this movie, if you have not looked it up... Look up the trailer. It's ridiculous. I honestly think we should put a poll on social media to see if people want us to review this movie. It's about road rage, essentially. And it's not even like this woman, like, hit him or cut him off. She honked. She honked at him because he wasn't moving at a stoplight. And Russell... Russell Crowe, right? Yeah. And Russell Crowe goes psycho. But I saw a commercial today. Just we watched John and I found out about it because I was looking at the movies that were being released and I was like, what is this? And we watched the 
first I was like, this looks stupid. Then I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks even stupider, but I feel like I have to see it. It, you know, I don't think that I'm necessarily going to risk getting COVID (laughs) to see this movie in a theater, but I know that it's going to come on like, this is an AMC movie. This is not AMC movie theaters. This is like an AMC channel movie or like TNT. I can see them playing the hell out of this at, on a Saturday. The commercial today literally says number one in the world. I'm like, yeah, you know why it's number one in the world? It's the only thing that's coming out <laughs> right now. Um, I uh, I don't know. I have this fascination with it. it I know it's going to be terrible. I don't even know if there's Rotten Tomato scores up from critics because I'm assuming that they screened it, like they gave screeners to them to watch in advance so they could have their reviews ready. But there's no way this movie gets higher than like a 20 on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. Let's see if it's even... Do you think it... Yes. Well, while Anna looks this up, I kind of want to talk a little bit about... 46 on Metacritic, but I don't know. That's pretty, on... that's pretty good for Metacritic, honestly, because Metacritic is like the harshest site. Yeah. So it'll probably get like a 60 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty surprising. But before other releases start to trickle in i think mulan is going to be the first one because they haven't said if bill and ted is going to come to actual physical locations if they're open because this is all kind of new but their amc is going to be and it varies by location they're going to be airing some all-time classics at their theaters in the meantime so i know our local amc they're showing empire strikes back uh back to the future um, a couple movies that came out earlier this year, Black like Pan- well, Black, Black Panther, Panther um... but they're showing a few things that came out earlier in the year too, like uh, Bloodshot with Vin Diesel and a couple random things here and there. Mm-hmm. I think Little Women is getting a release at some AMCs. So if you are a person who goes to AMC, check the app or their website. For and they're your local 15 theater. cents right now for the classic ones, 15 cents for this coming week. Yeah. And I, I think that even like Dolby and IMAX are at a reduced price too. But I think Unhinged is literally the only Dolby movie. Yeah. For well, the coming weeks. Yes, yeah, so like right now, like anything that's new release obviously is at full price, but then it's fifteen cents right now, and then it'll be five dollars. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty exciting that theaters are gonna be open. Um I can't wait to have a Slurpee. I can't either. And popcorn. That's, oh I my care more God. about that than the actual theater experience because I mean, being honest, like I don't know how many movies we're going to make it to the theater for. It'll probably be stuff that are like we're really dying to see. It's not going to be like before we would kind of go to movies we were on the fence about. And now I think if we're on the fence, we just probably won't go to the theater. I don't know if I'm speaking for you as well, but um, like we're not going to see something like Gemini Man, which we saw last year. Oh, yeah. Like we would just oh, say well, there's probably not going to be like anyone in the theater anyway. Yeah, that's true. So I actually forgot the first release, and this was so funny, the first major release, because Unhinged isn't a major release, is going to be New Mutants. And if you would have had in, like, the, the like, the betting pool, like, like New if- Mutants is going to come out, be the first film after a global pandemic, and that was going to be the final delay in this, <laughs> this movie coming out, someone would have called you crazy, but... I'm pretty excited to see that, finally. They've released a few promotional things, and it looks, like, pretty dark. Like, mm-hmm. almost, like, not horror full-on, but it's, like, darker than the other X-Men movies that Fox released, so that should be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see that in theaters. But I think, like, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, it's New Mutants, then Tenant, 
or is it New Mutants, Mulan, Tenet? I can't remember the order. Anyway, those are like three weeks in a row. Wait, so, isn't Mulan going straight to... No, wait, no, what's Mul- going straight to streaming again? Well, so Mulan is, but... They're also But doing if theaters. theaters are open, they're going to play them in theaters. Got it. Okay, but then also we have Bill and Ted Face Music. We have a lot of new yeah. releases we'll, we'll have, coming up, everybody. Yeah, we'll have some new stuff to talk about, which will be really fun because you'll get to listen to us not get to take detailed notes on a movie, which will be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, if you live near theater and you're down to go to it, you'll get to enjoy the big screen again. So that's really exciting. But besides that, I don't think there were any real news. There were no like major delays this week or, you know, our normal stuff. We've kind of settled into a routine because they made all their delays earlier. (laughs) Okay. So on to this week's featured movie, Jurassic Park, the 1980s. 80, nope. 1991. Nope. 1992. No, why are you doing this? This is, I do the synopsis. I include the year oh, in there. Oh, sorry. Okay, I just wanted to say the 1990 what? Three. Fuck. The 19, okay. Nope. So on to our. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. So on to our featured movie this week, Jurassic Park, the 1993 classic. Uh, John's going to give a little synopsis, but I, like I said earlier, we were lazy. We had a very long weekend of celebrating all things John, and we didn't want to watch a movie. Not we didn't want to watch a movie that we hadn't seen before, and we also wanted to watch an easy movie. And you know what? What's easier than watching dinosaurs try to kill man? Not much, honestly. <laughs> so, like Anna said, Jurassic Park is a 1993 Steven Spielberg film based on the Michael Crichton novel of the same name. The movie follows John Hammond, who is a businessman who is attempting to convince archaeologist Alan Grant, paleobotanist Ellie Sattler, and mathematician Ian Malcolm to sign off on his new business venture, Jurassic Park. Hammond's company, InGen, has made a revolutionary breakthrough in science and genetic technology and has created dinosaurs in the modern world. They wish to use this breakthrough and create the world's most immersive entertainment experience, a realistic theme park starring the dinosaurs. The movie stars... (laughs) The movie stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, and many, many more cast members that are some pretty big names. It grossed $914 million in its original run on only a $63 million budget, and over the course of its lifespan has made $1.03 billion after it was released in 2013 for its 20th anniversary. It's regarded as one of the best movies of the 90s and has spawned one of the most profitable movie franchises ever made and is generally considered an all-time classic. It has a 91 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and also a 91 audience score. Um, It was praised for its computer effects, for its sound design, and just generally being a really good sci-fi concept. The novel is also one of the best sci-fi novels ever written. I haven't read it personally, but a lot of people for sci-fi lists, it's like, one of your starting points because it's just so interesting um but yeah that's jurassic park i think too it's just a really really cool concept that is actually you know feasible it was feasible to think of it in as something in nine in the 1990s especially as like the human gene like the genome product project and mm-hmm. genetics were becoming more of a um you know, more of a talking point in society. Yeah. And it's even more so now as 
there's cloning of food of like yeah of animals so we can it's something that is definitely you know feasible and i think that's what makes sci-fi you know good sci-fi good sci-fi yeah. because it's something you can see happening i think we've talked about this before but i my personal opinion on sci-fi is it works best when it is something that we're not po- capable of right now, but it doesn't seem that far outside of our grasp. Mm-hmm. So I remember a couple years ago, a story came out about how scientists thought that they could recreate the genetic sequencing of a dinosaur and people sharing it on Twitter and Facebook saying Jurassic Park came out and warned you not to do this. Like stuff like that. I don't think this will ever fully be possible, but it's always going to seem, no matter what era you're in, that we're just on the precipice of discovering this, Mm -hmm. which is why, I mean, this movie works for a number of reasons for me, but like the story structure and just the concept is so cool. Yeah. And I think that's why this franchise, why they've had so many sequels. So they've had, um, five total movies. Yeah. They've had five total movies between the park and world franchise. Only two of the movies are fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, with um, the second and third Jurassic Park being not really loved that much, and the second Jurassic World being not that loved that much, but it is a franchise with a ton of potential, and one that probably will be made for years and years and years. And, okay, so the Lost World Jurassic Park is not, not good, but... I feel like the third one is watchable. Like, it's yeah. not, like, I don't hate it. And then I haven't seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but my family liked it. And my sister actually said she shed a tear at a dinosaur dying. Really? Yes. <laughs> She's like, I, it had me crying over a dinosaur. I was like, you need help. <laughs> the dinosaurs are the villain. <laughs> you know... I don't think the dinosaurs are well, ever not, the villain. They're not the villain. It's just like they're the thing that like you're running from is yeah. like the killing thing. Like yeah. the same thing with Jaws. Like, yeah, the people are the real monsters. The people are the real monsters, but like you don't want to die. Yeah, that's true. Um, so where do we want to start with Jurassic World? I'm assuming that all of our Jurassic listeners, Park. sorry, Jurassic Park, much different. Well, not really that different in movies, but I'm assuming all of you guys have seen this movie. If you haven't, if you haven't. Okay, John? I am. Okay, this is a very embarrassing admission, but I actually saw Jurassic World before I ever saw Jurassic Park. I don't know why Jurassic Park was this big blind spot in, like, my cultural intake. You know, it's one of those things that when you talk about big budget movie franchises, it's like Star Wars, Jurassic Park, um, Back to the Future, Harry Potter, like... All of these things are... It's the same thing. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. It's just... It's, I have these weird cultural blind spots that I don't really know how to, to explain. So it's interesting. I didn't see Jurassic Park when I was a kid, so I had no nostalgia for this movie franchise. Yeah, I mean, I, I was so excited when they found, when they talked about Jurassic, Jurassic World. And I've seen this movie... Okay, I couldn't tell you the first time I've seen it. I'm sure I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen this movie so many times when we were watching it. I know, like... Yeah, that's the... So... The I know, like, all the, like, the key, you know... I mean, a lot... Most people, you know the, like, the key quotes and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I just... I could... I... At the end of the movie, I was barely even listening, but I know, like... Yeah, you know all of the um, stuff. But, so, even though I saw this later in... I don't want to say later in my life, because I'm not old, per se, but even though I didn't see this as a kid... 
in the five-ish years, I guess, since I, I saw it for the first time, I've probably seen it like 10 times. Maybe mm-hmm. not all the way through each time, but I've seen this movie a lot because it is a good movie. And what's funny is, despite the fact that it's now 27 years old, earlier this summer, it was literally the number one movie on Netflix for the entire month of June. Because people just... Because they released the whole... The trilogy. Yeah. But people people will always go and watch these. Because there were some other big franchises on there, but Jurassic Park, I was reading a Netflix thing, it outpaced all of these other movies by a lot. Yeah, I just think it's genius. I mean, like, marketing genius. There's just not many... I mean, there are movies about dinosaurs, but if you... If I were, we were playing a game, and I was like, movie about dinosaurs, the first thing you think of is Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. And it's not even... If you don't... If you, if you say Land Before Time, you suck. It's Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, and it's a thing that I... And it made dinosaurs like nothing... cool. I mean, yeah. they're already cool, but, like, even cooler. Like, the Velociraptor. Mm-hmm. Like, who... If I talk to anybody and their favorite dinosaur is not a Velociraptor, what are you even doing? I would imagine the only way that they don't answer that is if... Though, they might like the T-Rex because the T-Rex is, like, the quote-unquote hero of the movie. So they might like the T-Rex more. Yeah. So it's tough. T-Rex is lame. Basic. I don't know. Same thing if you like bronchiosauruses, you're, you're also basic. Or the ones that spit acid. Okay, those are cool. Those are cool. Those are very cool. We're getting into dino talk now. I'm and like, triceratops are, like, nice, but, like, eh. Did you, did you like dinosaurs a lot as a kid? Because I feel like you're either a dinosaur kid or you're not. Cause I didn't I, like them. I wasn't big into dinosaurs. Like, I had friends who had, like, dinosaur toys and you know they would they would know the difference between a stegosaurus and they they do you they not knew, know the difference no, no, between a stegosaurus I, and a bronchiosaurus I, I, I do but they would know a bunch they knew a bunch of random dino facts so, so you're I, like, I wasn't like big, the kid like Timmy basically yeah but okay yeah. so i mean i wasn't huge into dinosaurs but i did like them and i didn't know stuff about them like each one and i really did like the land before time like i love the tv show and stuff yeah. and but I guess I never really realized how much I did like them until... Oh, and I loved Sue the Dinosaur. Like, I love the dinosaur part of... Um, MSI. Yeah, but... Oh, no, that's the Field Museum. So, yeah, yeah, the Field Museum. Uh, the Field Museum, I, that's, like, my favorite part. And so I never really real. I guess the way... When you said that maybe trigger this, I never realized how much I really did like dinosaurs until I started... I interned at the Indianapolis Children's Museum. Or the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. Well, Sorry. And if you've never been there and you ever go to Indianapolis, it's a must-see, must-must-see. Did you ever, did I ever take you there? No. Oh, we'll have to go. That museum has a, like, it's not even like a children's museum. It's like a real museum because they, in the basement, they have their dinosaur area mm-hmm. and they literally have um, archaeologists, like, there and you got to touch a real, like, triceratops, like, um, fossil and like they have fossils there and I remember when we first went on the tour I was like literally in awe I was so excited I was more it was <laughs> all I'm 22 years old or 21 years old and like everyone is like cool cool and I'm like oh my god I love this place so much I want to be there forever <laughs> and I'm like a child so I don't know maybe I like them more than I think I do I don't I I just wasn't huge into dinosaurs I liked them I feel every kid likes dinosaurs it's a cool they're these monsters. They're kind of like basically real life monsters because 
the, we've never lived on the earth with them, but they were real. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like this fantasy story that you can say like, oh, that is actually yeah. real. So I, I want to pivot because pivot, we're pivot. talking about kids, dinosaurs, all this stuff. I guess I've never really realized. I've always thought of Jurassic Park because it's a movie that so many people grew up with that it was more of a kid's movie. Definitely not. It isn't. Definitely not. This movie is more of, it's almost a horror movie. It, it goes close. I, it's, I, it's... I, I th- Thriller is what I would describe it as, like an action-adventure thriller type movie. But, you know, for how prominently kids feature in it and how how much merchandising came out of it and its theme park integration. Well, it's funny because I would say that this film is a commentary on theme parks and science. And so like the theme it's park... so funny that like it kids are like so into it. It's like kind of like I think that they're what they're really trying to say is like evilness of it. But then is it's the kinda like corporation yeah, part. But then it's kinda like it, it literally has made so much money well, merchandise. I like, wanna all that stuff. You know, it's funny because I said the thing about theme parks last night when we were watching. I said, isn't this ironic when they were talking about Disney World in it mm-hmm. and how Dr. Malcolm says or John Hammond says when they opened Disneyland, they had a bunch of uh, things that weren't working on day one, too. And Dr. Ian Malcolm said, yeah, but when you go on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and it breaks down, the pirates don't try to kill you. <laughs> and what was so funny about this is, one, Jurassic Park is now a ride. Yeah. Which has since been re- when it's not even Jurassic Park anymore, it's Jurassic World. Which is they, annoying. They changed it. But a lot of elements from this movie, there's a section of the park in Orlando that you can go to, quote unquote, Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's like right next and to Harry Potter World. Yeah, and, you and go there's into the, the... It's like... Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, there's the... Dun, 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 the giant gates. There's the gates and there's the welcome center that the T-Rex eventually destroys at the end of the movie. Yeah, we ate, we ate yeah. In there. Yeah, there's that food court. And, you know, it's funny that they talk so much about this because this movie is a universal movie, which I wondered aloud... And then went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole last night. Um, I said, I wonder if they made this movie before Universal Studios Park opened. And it's just kind of funny that it transpired this way because it would be ironic. And then it's even more ironic because Universal was already open. So Universal wasn't just making this comment. Like they're making a commentary against a product that they already gave to the world. And I also, I guess my last tangent thought on the theme park part of this is did they know that they were eventually going to add this to their park because that would be fascinating i don't really know and it's not the most important answer in the world but yeah i mean i couldn't tell you yeah it's okay dude what did you know the popularity of the movie led the management of the NBA expansion franchise founded the in Toronto, Toronto Raptors? They're, yeah. That's why they're called the Raptors? Did you not know that? No. Yeah. Yeah, and their logo, their uh, the initial Raptors logo Was looked, like, looked a lot like the Raptor from the movie. hilarious. Yeah, this this movie, while, while this didn't create branding in the sense of toys like a disney movie or Mm -hmm. you know animated movies create this movie and the jurassic park logo has been incorporated into bringing dinosaurs into like mainstream pop culture designs including the toronto raptors which is crazy i mean they literally in 2000 
2018, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry Mm -hmm. because it's culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant to the fabric of our nation. Like, Mm -hmm. a movie about dinosaurs coming back, like, creating a theme park for dinosaurs. Isn't that, I mean, it's amazing. It's crazy. You you know what I want to talk about? So, this isn't exactly branding, but I was just thinking about this. I was convinced for years and years and years that all of the vehicles in this movie were Jeeps. And yesterday, I realized that the electric vehicles... I knew that it was Ford Explorers. They're Ford Explorers. Yeah. But because you always picture those silver and red Jeeps, Mm -hmm. the gas-powered Jeeps, that they explicitly say three times in the movie, get a gas-powered Jeep. I got a gas-powered Jeep. I mean, like, what other power is there? The the Ford Explorers were on the electric track, I know, but they're like... That can't just be like, I have a Jeep. I have a car. Yeah, but... So, because they have such heavy... I'm going to drive back. You can't drive the other cars. Like, when you think when you think about the vehicles, you think of the, the Jeep first. And I think... I'm not going to look this up, so call me out if I'm wrong. I think that there was some promotion where you could win the Jeep. You could win those Jeeps in some contest back Wait, in the 90s. Jeep or the... No, no, Jeep. The Ford Explorer. Jeeps, the, the light silver and red yeah that have the the logo on yeah that have the logo i believe you could win those but i mean if john if you really want it you can just yeah you could customize it and make (laughs) it but you know it's it's funny be between it's like jeep and barbasol are the two brands that get heavily screen time in this movie for yeah for sure (laughs) um but yeah so i wanted to talk about like the science i think Oh, yeah. So my favorite part of this movie is the first half, for sure. Once once it gets to the point when they're all in the Welcome Center, I I do honestly always space out a bit, except for when, like, the raptors are, like, trying to, like, kill like kill mm-hmm. them in the, like, and he hits the door. Like, they op- they're able to open the doors and stuff. Because the best part of this movie, in my opinion, is them, you know, the discovery of, like, this yes. you know everyone that's visiting on the, the discovery of the fact that this has been done mm-hmm. and the reactions that take place and you see the and that's why i think it's also it's just so cool because you go from like these scientists um and mathematicians like these very smart people who are experts in this they go from you know absolute wonder of this you know this thing that they've they've studied their whole lives they would dream about seeing and they're seeing it in person and mm-hmm. then it goes it keeps just going downhill downhill uh to this realization of like what have we done like what have yeah. you done and my favorite character in the film is jeff goldblum he's the best yeah ian malcolm ian malcolm literally the best character you can't tell you can't even try no he he is the best character and he is about as synonymous with the franchise as the dinosaurs themselves. Yeah. So he, like, I think that's, like, my favorite things is, like, how it makes you think, you know, a lot of the stuff he says is, like, you never, you thought you could, so you did, but you never thought, you know, but should I? Yeah. And the exact line is, your scientists were so concerned with whether they could, they never stopped to think if they should. And that line is, I, I mean, that's as iconic as Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's just, and it's a great, like you said, it's a great commentary on science because science can do a ton of things, but that doesn't mean it should. 
and I think he has another one about, or no, Dr. Grant has one about there's 65 million years of evolution separating them from us. You can't expect them, like, you can't expect nature to just, like, be controlled. Be, be controlled. Well, I think that was Malcolm that who was said Malcolm that. Too. I mean, they both they both end up having very similar sentiments. And nature finds a way. Like that, that's yeah. the whole, the whole well, thing is like nature will always that's, find a way. That's the thing. His line, "Life uh, finds a way," is that's probably more iconic than the the could and should one. Yeah, but it, that I mean, I think that is a great. You know, it shows like the difference between like is science for are, are we? You know, there's a difference between science for progression and science for profit yes and you and we have this problem all the time of technology and and i think a very you know it's it can be even said about like silicon valley and stuff where like they make these they're making these huge feats in science but is it for the progression of science and the good Mm -hmm. of the world or is it more for profit and when does that become you know detrimental yeah and i think that you know i I think you're absolutely right and it raises a great question was this project a failure because the science was only for the sake of profiting or would this have been a failure either way i think number one I mean, actually, theme park with dinosaurs. The fact that we—it's a—it's a terrible. It's it's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. I mean, it's a genius idea from the perspective of a creative story. Oh, but in terms of commercializing violent killing machines, that it literally took a meteor to kill. Well, that's that's what they say. They're like they're dead for a reason. Like we, so you know, they talk. I think the other thing is when he says like. Uh, Dr. H- or Hammond, not Dr. Hammond, but Hammond says, if I brought back, you know, if I brought back this extinct species, like, or this endangered species. It was, a, it was the condor. He yeah. said, if I created a flock of condor Condors. and was able to make sure that they can be preserved. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, ba- everyone be thanking me, but yeah. everyone's, and then Dr. Malcolm was like, well, these beings they had their time on earth. They had their chance, and yeah. evolution chose them yeah, to they were die. Selected. They should not be. <laughs> and that's the thing. He's like, yes, like, do we? We don't know. We know a lot about dinosaurs. We don't know everything about dinosaurs. And like the fact, I mean, I mean, maybe if we did, we did find a way to bring them back, and they studied them for a long time, but like they pushed. But there's uh, maybe maybe we could have an exhibit. I don't know, like mm-hmm. it, very controlled. But well, it, so you know what's really funny is they bring them back, and the dinosaurs behave in the manner that we think they should behave in, as in you know archaeologists archaeologists are way smarter than than I'm gonna give them credit for right now. I can't do that justice. That's an incredibly complex field. They have a lot of assumptions based on where their bones are found, you know, plant remains in their area. That's an oversimplification. But our our belief on what their patterns were, how they how they hunted, how they ate, you know, if they were docile, if they were this, if they were that, is all based on a lot of assumptions that we make based on their remains. It's kind of incredible that InGen brought them back and they acted exactly the way they were supposed. I mean, like, yeah, like, that's just... And and it's something the movie can't really delve into, but, 
you know, I, I think that this, you know, I think that this was going to fail either way, because let's say that there was no goal of profit in mind, which would kind of be surprising, but if they would have brought dinosaurs back for, like, a nature preserve or something, I think that's equally a dumb idea. Uh, yeah, I just think we should never bring back dinosaurs. I'm sorry, but just if it comes to that point, just kill me off i don't know just yeah i will not go near never go near a theme park that's i think too this movie like if that was ever a you know like there could be a of <laughs> a lab right now where they probably found like they could find a way and then like everyone's like nah nah we ain't doing that because jurassic park like made sure that this will never mm-hmm. happen because <laughs> no one's gonna go to a theme park <laughs> That has dinosaurs in it because of this movie. I'd hope not. I mean, I'm not going to. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so I want to move on and also talk about just the visual effects of this film, which is Mm -hmm. what one of the main um, and what is highly, um, not critiqued, um, highly praised praised for is the visuals, the sound effects of this film for its time. And I still think... It holds up so much. I mean, obviously, the dinosaurs in Jurassic World are, like, crazy. But you still watch this, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, the dinosaurs are still scary as ever. Yeah, and I think that the reason they hold up so well, and I was reading about this, is the dinosaurs aren't all CGI. They're a mix of actual... And animatronics. Animatronics, uh, practical, like... Puppets isn't the right word, but like a really sophisticated puppet. Yeah, they they did computer generated imagery Mm -hmm. and animatronics put into one. I mean, you can tell, like you can tell which ones, like the one that spits. That one's that one's that's for sure. That's all a puppet animatronic. Like there's no CGI in that. And like same thing with I think like some some of the scenes with the raptors, but then like there's other scenes where like definitely it is. Oh, like the computer generated when they have like the flocks of them and all that stuff yeah. is definitely computer generated. You can see a well, difference. The but... most the most impressive one in the entire movie is the one that ha- is sick and they look at its poop that Dr. Grant leans against. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an incredible. That's also like one of the most memorable scenes when he's like on it and he yeah. goes <gasps> <laughs> and he falls and he's like hearing it breathe. Yeah, I, I think that the the visuals hold up great. And the sound, I mean, first, we I'm surprised that we went this long without mentioning it. The The score is done by John Williams, who... Okay. That's enough. We should have done, like, top five... We've had so many opportunities to do, like, top five scores. And I feel like that'd be the hardest thing ever. There's so many good... But beyond just the theme, there's a lot of this atmospheric, yeah, you know, background noise that you would instantly hear and say, that's Jurassic Park. It, I, it's just great. But the other thing that's beyond the score and what it's really praised for is the actual sound design of how they, I don't even know how they did it, how they constructed the dinosaur roars and all of that stuff. Because apparently it's very realistic and accurate. I don't know how they know that, but... It is. <laughs> it sounds realistic, I guess. Yeah, to my untrained dinosaur ear. My untrained dinosaur, yeah. 
Oh, like, do we really think that that's what they sounded like? Like, what if we... How funny would it be, like, we believe that dinosaurs sound like this, and then, and then, like, and they, we go back in time, someone travels back in time, they're able to, like, hear a dinosaur, and it's, like, completely not what you, they sing, they sing. Well, (laughs) actually, I'm thinking about it, because I'm pretty sure that is what we think dinosaurs sound like, because Dr. Grant, he, remember he did that, like, thing with his hands where he goes, like, ooh, and it sounds exactly like the dinosaurs. Yeah. So. (laughs) He's like, they're singing. Yeah, it's so, I don't know, it's so, you know, interesting how easily impressed he is. I And granted, it's because he spent his whole life studying them, and now he can see them in person. He's absolutely more in love with the dinosaurs than he is with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Laura Dern's character, whose Laura name Dern. is escape. Her name's Ellie. Ellie. It's Dr. They're in, like, the whole sexual tension between them, it's like... That's, like, the one thing I don't get about this movie because they it, they put a lot of effort into it, but you really don't get anything from it. Yeah, there's this weird love... And then love... they break up the next movie. Yeah, there's this weird love back. triangle where Dr. Malcolm is trying to get with her, too, and... And it's like they invested time into, like, you seeing the... this. Actually, he had one of the funniest lines... That... Most of the funny lines were Jeff Goldblum, but... He had one of the funniest lines where he says, I'm always on the lookout for a, a future, future Miss, ex, ex-Mrs. Malcolm. <laughs> ex-Mrs. Malcolm, which was very funny. You know what I realized? There's not a lot of laughable moments in this movie. I think there are. Not a ton. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's not. It's... Okay, come on. It's so sad that when you, like, you laugh at Timmy... Okay, there's so many times you laugh at Timmy... And Timmy is, like, absolutely, like, his body is shattered so many times. And you laugh at him, like, when the, like, when he, when he gets electrocuted, like, you, like, laugh. You're laughing at a seven or, you know, a ten-year-old boy getting electrocuted. It's. The the stuff they put these children through. I mean, I remember watching this as a kid and, like, always being so scared of the part. Number like the two scariest parts for me were obviously the T, the first T-Rex part. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. and then the part where um ellie goes and she's like oh uh samuel jackson's character she's like oh it's just you and then she like moves her hand because he, he his hand oh his, oh, his yeah. hand falls on her and then she moves her she moves around and then it's like he's not attached yeah, his, his arm was and there was, there was the a raptor. raptor oh and like that's something that's why there's like some in my opinion, I mean, I don't know if this is actually real. There's some like horror elements that were found in that are unique to Jaws, like, and it's that mm-hmm. comes from you know Steven Spielberg being the director and producer, but like that those there's those parts where I'm like that is like very similar like to kind of mm-hmm. like that horror style. Yeah, and, and he does he does have a very distinct style of making a movie like you know immediately it's a steven spielberg movie i don't know if it's how he frames the shots or what it is necessarily well, and that's what i think is so great about it because yes like it, it's not considered a horror film and then there are horror films that are still faint like you know gremlins like uh, i just feel like his steven spielberg films are very you know well-rounded where it can be most of them, I'm not saying all, but like, you know, all of our beloved classics are family films that have like something for everyone. And like, that's like a thing now, but I feel like his was like the main, like, like that's more like, the, yeah, I get, know, that's I what get, everyone I get what wants to saying. do now, but he like really nailed it where it's like, 
Okay, it is a family film, but there's like you know mature content, yeah. and there's well, this, and, and there's... there's there's a reason why his movies make money because oh, yeah. you know he found that in in recent years he shifted more towards adult things with things like Lincoln. I guess this is contradicted by the fact he made the BFG, which is very much not an adult movie. But <laughs> I think that he has found or not found he found it a long time ago that that blend of okay, adult to keep the parents in the theater kids to not scare them off if it is something with more adult themes yeah and just hit that target audience as widely as you can i kind of want to circle back on something from two minutes ago how many movies that are major movies can you go we've been talking about this for half an hour now without mentioning the fact that samuel l jackson is in this movie (laughs) so last night you and i I was like, he's not a major part of this movie. I mean, his character is important, but mm-hmm. he's not in the top five or six build for this movie. And it's wild because at this time he was still a he was a big name at this time. And the fact that he's just kind of this, I don't want to say bit player, but he's not one of the, the main cast members is wild to me. But like, I love him. I mean, his, I love his when, when he says when he's smoking a cigarette, and it's like hold on to your butts. Is well, he, he? There is maybe twenty, like ten percent of the time he's on screen. Is there? There's not. No, I would say less than okay twenty. Be, it'd be ten percent of the time he's on screen. There's not a cigarette in his mouth, and about two percent of the time he's on screen. There's not a cigarette in his hand, and I think the only time <laughs> a cigarette's not in his hand when is he, when his hand is taken off from his body. If you could go back and change a scene in this movie, would you put a cigarette in that dead hand? Honestly, just as like a, yes. as a stylistic Has, choice. Yes, stylistically, it's gotta. Um, between between him and Wayne Knight, who was a big name in the '90s. I mean, Wayne Knight's a biggish name still. People know him, but Wayne Knight being the like main human antagonist is also still something that I mean. We did some other movie where I was like, Wayne Knight makes this very much dated as a movie because he's not really in stuff. But you said something really funny about him. You said, I can't look at him and not think of a... No, not even look. Oh, here's his voice. His voice, his laugh is everything. I just think of Toy Story 2. Like, (laughs) it's just the chicken man. Al. Al. Al's toy barn. Like, I, all I hear is him talking about selling Woody. Like, I yeah. can't get past it, and that's why I cannot wait. Like, anytime he's on screen and, like, that side of the story, I'm like, get out of here. The only time I want to watch it, him on screen is when he's getting sprayed in the face by the dinosaur. That's all I can. You know about. what's wild to me, too? And I don't know if this is because it's a Spielberg movie or if it's because it's the book. He dies so early in the movie for what was supposed to be this really big... Um, plot point he dies like halfway through the movie well in my opinion i think the thing is like they're showing everything that would probably go wrong if this would happen and i don't think that his i mean yes he causes the major like issues of Uh uh-huh like what like you know we could always say like his major plot point, all he is is the domino that starts the effect. Yeah, yeah, he's the the reason that the fences are turned off. And... Yes. Like, he's just the domino. And yeah. we, have, we were talking about this, too. I love, love, love that they, for the Jurassic World movie, they really grew the concept. Like, the other two, you know, all of the movies were commercial, commercially successful. 
and the other two are okay. I but... think Jurassic World is a top five grossing film ever. Wow. So I know it made it made. Sorry, I'll let you finish your point. I know it made at least one point five billion dollars, which is a lot. Sorry, continue. <laughs> they are all commercially successful, but like Jurassic World, I think they did such a great job of taking the original story and even growing that concept. Obviously, they grew that concept. It's kind of like going from Disneyland to Disney World, uh-huh. and then also growing the concept of of messing with science and. They went from, and like, B.D. Wong just went from, like, this guy that was just, like, on screen. And, like, he was, like, the beginning of his career. I don't even know if he was in Law and SVU yet. Law and SVU wasn't even a thing yet. I don't think he, no, yeah, it wasn't a thing. In 1993, B.D. Wong was a nobody. And suddenly, then he, like, he's not, like, a somebody, but he's a, he's I mean, he's a big enough, he's a big enough actor where I think people know who he is. And then I remember seeing, like, they brought him back on screen. I was like, B.D. Wong, they brought him back? And then he became the villain. I was like, that is the best transition. I think there's a good argument to be made that B.D. Wong was always one of the villains because he was the head scientist. Yeah. And, you know, Jurassic, so Jurassic World, and then we'll get back on track. Mm Mm-hmm has gotten like the only real criticism that came of it is that it's very derivative of Jurassic Park but I think that the thing it showed that was so cool is after 20 years or so the company finally did nail it and it was a functioning park but and the that, problem is something nature well, will yeah. always find a way oh, to boy. be nature I know that but I like that movie for showing the fact that the concept, there is a way for it to work, and it was to make things less dangerous and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, but you're in, like, these weird bubble yeah. cars surrounded by yeah. dinosaurs. Yeah. But, back to Jurassic... The problem is they got too greedy, and they're like, we gotta make, like, audiences want new dinosaurs. They don't want old oh, those dinosaurs. Oh, stupid, those stupid um, Indoraptors, which were the raptors crossbred. Sorry, it was the it was the Indominus Rex. It was the raptor crossbred with a T-Rex. Yes, and they're like, you have a raptor in this? And it was crazy. You, when you found that out, you were like, what? You can't put raptors and T-Rexes together. Raptors are way too smart. Which is funny. I mean, I remember people freaked out. They're like, well, you're making these hybrid dinosaurs. And it's like, well, they always were hybrid dinosaurs because the original ones were crossbred with the tree frogs. So, <laughs> like, they never were truly dinosaurs, which the nature has a they're way. Really weird-ass frogs. Like, the tree frogs are able, what was it that they're able to? So why to... did they use frogs? Why did they use frogs instead of birds? So their justification <laughs> was that the missing, the missing parts of the genome were, that they didn't need it from the, like it aligned closest with frogs. They fit, well, that's because he was the only. He's the one who said they evolved into birds, but uh, whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't even know what B.D. Wong's character's no, name. No, not B.D. Wong. Oh, Hammond. Yeah, no, the original. No, the guy. The Grant. Grant. He. That's his belief, and a, not not a lot of people believe him about them being into birds, and then but most people believe that they're more like reptiles and amphibians. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess, do we, what, was there any major stuff we wanted to hit on that we haven't hit on so far? I don't know, I feel like we were talking about, like, yeah, overarching. I don't really have, like, specific scenes or, like, characters or things to talk about. Like, it's a very, I mean, it's a well-made movie. Yeah. Amazing. I guess I had a question, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is ever res- resolved, because you know the sequels better than I do, I believe. 
Do we ever find out who was trying to buy the dinosaur embryos? I know that it's like a competing company of some sort, but do we ever find out? I'd be so interested if, you know, another company was trying to open a theme park or if they were, because we see in Jurassic World, they eventually get contracted by like the U.S. military to use dinosaurs. Which is like, huh? Actually, I do want a tangent. It is so, and I think I've said this on air before, but it is so stupid that they determine the dinosaurs are going to be useful in the military, which I guess isn't that stupid because they're strong and whatever, but that in Jurassic World, there's a point where they point a gun with a laser on the end of it at something they want the raptors to attack instead of just shooting something with a gun. <laughs> it's one of those, like, what, what are you thinking things? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you, this, just, the concept, the more and more you think about it, the more it just boggles your mind. Yeah, so I, I have another question. Okay. So the the franchise, while it's been profitable, it hasn't always been successful from a critical standpoint. And they've kind of claimed that they try to do the same things over and over again and that it's not expansive. Where do you think they could go with this concept? Because I, I think this is one of the best sci-fi things out there. What else can they really do with, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World to make it... Well, now they're doing Jurassic World domination. Like, what is... Is that going to be, like, Rise of the Planet of the yeah, Apes? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, is that's the only way they can go because that's the only way that the Planet of the Apes went. Like, I mean, yeah. Planet of the Apes... Rise of the Planet of the Apes is all prequel because, obviously, the Planet of the Apes happens. Yes. But I just feel like, what other way can you go? Because you continue... If you continually say in movies, in now six movies with the coming one coming on. Mm-hmm. And I think they I think they have two more after that already ordered. Yeah, so if you're going to say within six movies that you cannot control dinosaurs, so then what's the next step? That I, I they honestly, control you, I don't know. This is, this is going to sound so weird. I think that at some point they're going to go where there are humans crossbred with dinosaurs. Ew. No, so hear me out. Because what I, would that look like, John? No, no, I'm not talking about the appearance part, but... If they've determined they can't control them, they're going to try to figure out a way to put a human and consciousness combined with a dinosaur, where it's a dinosaur that's no, in charge. No. no, I'm... But think logically. I don't know where else they go. Well, they're not going there. I I mean, if they don't go there, is it so ridiculous that... I mean, this sounds really stupid. Can you imagine Jurassic Park and the world of like Godzilla existing in the same part where maybe Godzilla was trying to attack somewhere and that like we have to defend with the dinosaur. Well, apparently they're saying that that Jurassic world domination is going to change. They want new voices, new point of views and down the line, we'll be looking for a way that franchises could have been working. I'm pretty confident the right answer. This is the right answer for this one. Who's directing the next one. Is it, is it Colin Trevorrow again or yeah. Yeah, and he wrote it, too. Okay. Who wrote the screenplay with Emily Carmichael. Okay. Based by a story. Wait, it's not called Domination. It's called Dominion, right? Dominion, sorry. I was reading that Wait, so wrong. Okay, Dominion. I was going to say I thought it was Dominion, but Dominion means, like, home, so... I, I mean, Also Domination. No. <laughs> it's, like, where you reside. I don't know. I guess I just, I'm curious to see where this franchise goes because 
I really like two of the movies. I agree with you that the third one is watchable, but the second one is not good. No, definitely not. Stupid. We we should watch the sequel to Jurassic World. I need to see it. I I will. I will see it. Yeah. I also kind of want to give Jurassic World a rewatch just to... It's good, and it's just... No, it's, it's good. I Chris Pratt. Yeah, I mean, Chris Pratt's awesome in anything that he's in. But I think, unless you have any major questions, that's our Jurassic Park discussion? Question yeah, mark? I think we're done with that. So let's move on to ratings. What do you think you would uh, give this movie after watching it? I would give it a 92%. 92? It's pretty perfect. Actually, I'm going to... J- Stop. No, I'm going to jump it to 95. Okay. That's funny. I was thinking 95 also. It's pretty perfect. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how I'd make it better. Like, I usually have a suggestion. It's the thing. I, I don't know if there's a way to really make it better. But I can't give it 100. No, I wouldn't say it's it's a 100. It's not a perfect movie, but it's pretty dang good. All right. Final answer, 97%. I'm done now. 97%. I like that you specify with percent. I'm just going to say 95. A little less than you, but I, that, perhaps I changed mine it's mine to 95. No, you said 97. You said no, but, final answer. I know, but I said 92, 95, and 97. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is Jurassic Park, and we're going to move on to this week's ranking segment, which I don't know if Anna agrees with me, but this was the hardest one we've done so far. I don't think it was the hardest one. It's it's maybe hard the most in, maybe the most options. Yeah, it's hard in the sense like you want to include like ten movies. Yes. So we decided to do top five Steven Spielberg films. Why hell not? And I would just like to say something from Steven Spielberg's um, Wikipedia page. He is the highest grossing film director in history, and his net worth is estimated to be more than three billion dollars. Yes. He is one of the founding pioneers of the new Hollywood era, whatever that means. So is one, of the, and he has brought up, you know, some of the best, you know, family and adventure movies and sci-fi and sci-fi movies, like of ever of our uh, ever time. ever. Yes. He also, I don't know if I'm still in your thunder. He's one of the co-creators and owners of DreamWorks. Yes. He is also. The one knock against him, he is a really big, I guess, enemy of streaming. He does not like streaming as a viewing medium for movies. He's very traditional and thinks that things should only be award eligible if they come out in theaters and such, but he is a visionary in the film space. He has worked with a lot of legendary directors. He's notably very good friends with George Lucas he worked with Robert Zemeckis, who's another legendary director on a bunch of Kathleen stuff. Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who is the president of Lucasfilm. Her film career is entwined with him. his... I mean, you really... I mean, by the fact that he's the highest grossing director or executive of all time, you can't really get more successful than Steven Spielberg, and I really don't even know who else is in the also, same category. Wait, did you say that... Did you not say to... Which I think this is an interesting piece of information that jurassic park was the highest grossing film of all time until titanic came in 1997 uh did i say that today no i don't think you said it but i saw it uh it's for- that sounds 
right. It, it is correct. I know it is. I just oh, read it. then that is correct. Do you know that Jurassic Park is also the slowest movie to reach a billion dollars? Because it didn't reach it until it's re-release, so it took 20 years to reach a billion dollars. Pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty cray. I guess, um... Cray cray? You'd put, who, George Lucas, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, those are like the top three, you'd say? From their general era to yeah. now? Like, yeah. I can't really think of anyone else that would be on their level. Um, give me a second. I guess younger than them, like J.J. Abrams. Um, Michael Bay. Oh, God, no. No. No Michael Bay. Though no Michael, Michael Bay. Michael Bay is an understudy of Martin Steven. Scorsese. Scorsese. Uh, who else? There's another name that now I am blanking on. I don't know. But I was starting to say Michael Bay is an understudy of Steven Spielberg. I'm kidding. Which is very funny. But, yeah, super accomplished tons of movies to choose from both as a director and executive producer today anna and i learned finally what an executive producer does as we were debating how to include those movies yes. on, on these lists but apparently they, they do have a lot of um yeah they have a lot of they have a lot of creative say yes yes from they're they're this weird I mean, it's so annoying because there's these films that are like that say you know presented by steven spielberg but like he's just like i think of like gremlins like is a Steven Spielberg film because it says on the movie poster presented by Steven Spielberg. Yes. But like Wikipedia was like, no, that's well, not. And it's funny. I started listing off Steven Spielberg movies before I looked at the Wikipedia and I put back to the future on there. And then I was like, no, that's Robert Zemeckis. But Steven Spielberg produced it, and I'm pretty sure his name is pretty prominently on the poster. So it's just, it's a very funny thing what you think of as a Spielberg movie. Yeah. But. With that being said, let's get into our lists and start with honorable mentions. I know that this was a very hard list for me to pare down. Yeah, me too. So I don't know if you have any honorable mentions. If you want to list them off, list them off. I do. Okay, so I'm like, it's really hard because I have three movies that I want to include in like number my number five spot mm-hmm. that like they just can't fit. And I keep constantly, like, if you looked at my page, like, I have cross out, no, like, yes, yeah. no. Um, Can you just talk a little bit more this Sorry. Way? I just keep having, like, cross out ones. Like, throughout the episode, I still was making revisions. So, like, ugh. And I don't want to make a final decision still. Okay, I'm just going to go with... Well, you can say honorable mentions first. <laughs> I know. I just don't know which ones to be my honorable mentions. That's the problem. I still don't know which to make my number five. Okay. I'm going to go with what impacted me the most, okay, as a person. Number one. Okay. I am really upset I couldn't get this on my list. Hook is my honorable mention. It's just, I found out today the critics really didn't like it. And I haven't seen it in a long time, so I feel like I need to say it again. But I feel like it's just such a great, great children family film. Oh, love that movie. Another honorable mention I was really upset I couldn't get on my list was Catch Me If You Can, one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies ever. Yeah. Um, those are my two honorable mentions. So my my list right now, and this is going to be a John special where I didn't actually order them and I just off the cuff am going to rank them which might burn me when I come back to edit the episode and realize that my order is all wrong. But Mm -hmm. I'm very torn between 
three movies for my no two movies for my number five and that is et and the first indiana jones aka say it uh raiders of the lost ark thank you so which one's your number five Wait, this, these are just your honorable mentions. No, sorry. I'm torn between those two for my number five. I mean, the fact that you would kick E.T. off your top five list is appalling to me, but continue. Well, well, so it's tough. It's really tough. I guess Jaws is in there, too, but my, my two honorable mentions are going to be Jaws and E.T. I would love to put them on my list, but I have... I just have a stronger affinity for some of the other stuff. And I honestly, even though E.T. is a classic, I could not tell you the last time I watched E.T. It's been a very, very long time. Okay. So, yeah, those are my two honorable mentions. Okay, so what's number five? Well, you didn't say your number five, did you? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that was just honorable mentions. You were just confusing me. No, no, I know, I know. All right. My number five is Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, because in my opinion, that is the best Indiana Jones out of the series um, that if for those of you who don't know which the plot by the name of it, it's the one where they find the Holy Grail. I love that film, and I had to get an Indi- and I yeah, I really had to get an Indiana Jones film in there because Steven Spielberg was like you know instrumental to creating that that franchise with um, George Lucas with George Lucas, and I really think that sometimes that franchise is really under like people don't appreciate it for how great it is and the yeah. how fun and, and like and adventure people, and people when they talk about Harrison Ford are so quick to talk about Han Solo. Yeah. But Indiana Jones is the more memorable character, I think. I mean, I love Indiana Jones. It's awesome. That's why I'm sad I was not able to get it onto my list. Mm. Yes. Um so my number five is Catch Me If You Can. It, so what's funny is I said before that a movie I was considering for my number five, it's not actually my number five. <laughs> um, Catch Me If You Can is, I was saying this before we start to record, I think it's the last movie where I think about Leo as like young Leo because everything after he seems more of his grown up and more, I don't want to say middle-aged role, but it seems like everything post this is a more adult version of Leonardo DiCaprio. But yeah, Catch Me If You Can is an incredible movie. Well, he also plays such a young character. He like does. when he starts, when he, Frank Abernathy, I think he, he's seventeen. I want to say. Yeah, I mean he's he has like sex with the, he's like nineteen or eighteen when yeah. he has like sex with that with the with the flight attendant. Like you know what. You know what is the craziest thing about Catch Me If You Can is that it is largely based on real events and that he's a real person oh. and that a lot of that stuff happened. Yeah. Not a, it, That's why know, I love it. It's yeah. so interesting. But it's got a dynamite cast between Leo, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken. There's someone else I'm forgetting that I know is in that movie that's big, but uh, just an incredible movie that I, yeah, I had to have that on my list. So that's my number five. Cool. My number four is Jurassic Park. can't believe I have it so low, but, you know, these these top four, my top four, I feel like I could rank them all in different orders and it would still, like, be the same yeah. because they, they're all just so good in different ways. But, yeah, we just talked about Jurassic Park. I think, you know, for if it's influential, how influential it is in our society, 
and, you know, what a great concept it is and how it just continues to, you know, keep living on through mm-hmm. all these sequels. So that is my number four. So my number four is a movie I don't know if you've seen, actually, uh, Schindler, Schindler's List. I think I've, like, watched it when I was younger, and then I don't remember it very well. Okay. And I need to watch it again. It's a movie that, another thing, like, Catch Me If You Can, based on true events, I think everyone knows the general story of it about a doctor in, I think he's a German doctor in Germany who helped save a lot of um, incarcerated Jewish people from concentration camps Mm -hmm. and from hiding. Um, It's a movie that, I mean, it's very heavy and I can't watch all of the time, but I mean, just incredible the way it's shot and the iconic like gray scene in a girl in a like a red coat is just I, I mean it's such a good movie I wish I could have it higher but I can't <laughs> so that's four that's four okay my number three is the Goonies One I did of... not I did not get it on my list but tell us why it made it on your okay. list so, number one, I was, like, confused because I was on the Wikipedia page and it said that, you know, he didn't direct. Um, or produce. Or produce. No, he was an executive producer. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, and he didn't write. And I was confused because, you know, it says on the freaking poster, Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies. So, I looked it up and I did not know this, but The Goonies is based on a story, like, based on a short story that Steven Spielberg wrote. Like, it's based on, like, his idea. And... Again, I just... Okay, so my... This movie... This movie and Hook and my number one movie, I just think that... And also... Yeah, whatever. Okay. So it is very... He takes such, like, a great look at, like, childhood and growing up and, like, what's important to you and the adventure of childhood. And it's not like every kid goes and finds a pirate ship with treasure, but every kid dreams of that and... You know, and it's kind of just look like what would happen if you found a treasure map in mm-hmm. your, you know, and those kids are, oh, I don't know. I just love that film. It's one of my favorite, you know, movies of all time. And it is just such a great, you know, adventure family and just all about like, you know, growing up and, you know, the, yeah, it's just like the wonders of it. The wonders of being a kid. Yeah. I, I love the Goonies. I used to watch that all of the time. When I was a hey, you guys. Oh wow, it's crazy that 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 movie launched, and he would have been a movie star anyways because of his parents. But Josh Brolin, like that's his. I know. That's I love his kicking. He's off like point. my favorite. That's my favorite. Josh Brolin, like that's Josh Brolin to me. Like when I yeah. see him, I'm like that's him. Yeah, it's uh, such a good movie. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but it should be. I'm that's sure a, it that's is. a movie that that's a movie that should always be streaming somewhere. Like there are certain movies that should always be on a streaming service, and I firmly believe that Jurassic Park is one of those movies that you should always be able to go to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, wherever, and mm-hmm. be able to watch that at any point yes. for relative it. freeness. You need it. Um, and The Goonies is the same way. That that movie is timeless. It's almost forty years old, which is wild to me. <laughs> That makes no sense. Wait, yeah, so this... Okay, 
it's funny, yeah, these three movies, I just, okay, while you're talking about this, I had to look this up, and I'll talk about this more. I think, wait, I'll wait to talk about this, because it has to go into my number one. Oh, your number one? I will, yeah. Okay. So, that being said, my number three, kind of a, well, I have, like, a really heavy middle of my lineup. It is Saving Private Ryan. I... It's a quintessential war movie. I don't remember if we've talked about war movies before on here, but it's one of those movies that I think will last forever. Has one of the best casts of any movie I can think of off the top of my head. And it's just a timeless look at war. And the fact that Steven Sp- this came out of the same mind of someone who produced a lot of family stuff is unbelievable to me. So yeah, that's my number three. Yes, I... I didn't know if you got it on your list or not. I did. It's my number two, actually. Oh, um, that's it's a just, good transition. It's just... It messes me up every time. I mean, it, it's, something, um, it's something, too, that it can be on at any point, and I will stop channel surfing when yes. I used to do that. I don't have cable anymore, but... Um, it, it's a movie that it's on, and you're like, I'm going to take the rest of my afternoon and watch this. Yes. I. It's, yeah, it's a great film. It's, I, t- it, it's tough because it's hard to talk about no. it that much. Cause, I mean, what it, what can you say, Yeah, really? It's a great film. And, it, yeah, it's, in my opinion, is one of the best war movies. Um, it's, it's top three. T- yeah, it's one of the best war movies of all time. And uh, amazing cast. Yeah. Just great performances all around. I mean, it, honestly... This is so weird. I don't forget that Tom Hanks is in that, but in Tom Hanks' body of work, that is not the first five things I think of. Interesting. I think of, I just think of other Tom Hanks stuff before that, because he was so young. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how old, he was probably in his 30s, which isn't that young, but I I don't think of that, and it's still an iconic role. Yeah. I think it's still part of like that, you know how they do the Oscars, like sizzle reel at the start every year, and it's... Movies through the ages and stuff. I'm 99.9% sure that Saving Private Ryan is always in that. It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> so my number two is Jurassic Park, today's movie. I don't know what else I can say that we haven't said before, but it is awesome. And it's weird because I probably would give higher scores to movies below it. But when I think of Spielberg, that's quintessential Steven Spielberg. It's right, out, right in his wheelhouse. Okay. Great, yes. Okay, so my number one is E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, in my opinion, I don't understand why it's not people, like, I don't know. It, the f- that I love that movie so, so much. It, like, holds such a deep place in my heart. And so I, while I was talking about the Goonies and the way I feel about that and how I did not even realize that he had come up with, like, the short story... And then I was reading about E.T., and it is also based on a concept. Like, Steven Spielberg just, like, makes... And I, maybe I'm just, like, crazy for not knowing these things, but he, like, ha- just makes the concepts, then someone else writes it. Obviously, he's not a writer. Like, yeah. he, he is a writer, but, like, he has someone else writing. it. Yeah, he doesn't do the, the so story this, for all of it. So, E.T. is based on an imaginary friend Steven Spielberg created when um, he was a child, and Hook also based on like start you know started from steven spielberg's love of peter pan and just wanting to make an homage to is that the word 
Yeah. Homage. An homage to Peter Pan. And so I just, to continue off my point, like, he creates, like, such beautiful works about, like, childhood. I think that those are, like, three movies that really, like, got me through childhood, I guess. But to talk specifically about E.T., I think, honestly, think it's one of the greatest films of all time. It is a beautiful look at, you know, science, um, again, you know, acceptance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, growing up, um, friendship. I mean, I just die every time. Like, then she, he's like, E.T., no! And, like, they're, like, they're being, like, you know, prodded upon and, like, all that stuff. And we also got Drew Barrymore out of that film. Who knows what we would have... What? No, no, keep... keep yeah, Drew Barrymore is someone... I, I know she's in that movie. That's, like, her it's, it's, claim to fame. Yeah. Well, they, no, it's not her claim to fame. <laughs> of her entire career, that's her claim to fame. She was, like, known as one of the best child actors. Yeah, I know that. I mean, like, her performance, like, that's... I mean, not saying... I mean, I don't know. Ugh. I mean, it's, like, so... It's such a beautiful, beautiful, like, film that just, like, wins your heart, and it's just great. So, the reason my eyes kind of popped out of my head mm-hmm. were we have impeccable timing with this podcast all the time. So literally I just looked up E.T. Yoda because I was looking up something else. <laughs> and a story broke today that the scene in Mandalorian where he like, where Mando like reaches out to mm-hmm. baby Yoda, it's directly because of E.T. They're like, yeah, that's what we were trying to do. It came out today in an interview. E.T. phone home. Do you know that that's not actually the line? I don't care. Well, no, it's just funny. The reason I was looking up E.T. Yoda is because I think Yoda is in the E.T. movie, but I know for sure E.T. is in the prequels. In the Galactic Senate, when mm-hmm. they're showing all the alien races, one of them is two E.T.'s, implying that <laughs> E.T.'s race exists in Star Wars. Oh. And it's it was just an Easter egg because Steel, Steven Spielberg and George also, Lucas are friends. Also, this is another movie that... At the time, it became the highest grossing film of all time. Did it really? And it held the record for 11 years until Jurassic Park <laughs> beat it. And then James Cameron came along and screwed everything up. James Cameron. I mean, I still can't believe. I mean, Titanic isn't the high. But doesn't that blow your mind? Like how long the Titanic was the. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Titanic was number one. No, only for like 10 years. Because Titanic was 97. Avatar was 2008. So about 10 years. And then I it guess. took 12 years for Endgame to... Beat. Or, sorry, no, 11 years for Endgame to beat I guess I'm Avatar. just thinking about, like, it's so interesting that, ti- that the Titanic... Like, it's all these adventures. Well, like, and that's the that's the thing. Like, Titanic, objectively, people would say it's a good movie. It's not great. I love that movie. It's way too long, but I love that yeah, movie. But I can't, like, I... People forget that the titanic was so long it came on two vhs tapes you literally had to change tapes in the middle of the movie i i mean i i really like that movie but i don't watch it very often because obviously it's It's so long same thing like the fan of the opera and stuff you just like really commit well so it's a thing what i was saying is titanic is an objectively good movie people wouldn't say it's worthy of being the highest grossing movie of all time i when if you took i mean i was shocked i didn't know the jurassic park thing but telling me today i'm like okay that makes sense jurassic park was a huge deal yeah but (laughs) 
Titanic is a, you know, story about something that actually happened. Well, not actually happened. Could have happened. Anyway, that has been a James Cameron riff. Oh, I mean, this is all about James Cameron. Like, no, we were talking about Spielberg. No, no, no. Here's a promise to you. We are not, well, I can't make that promise. I'm going to say we're, we're never going to rank James Cameron movies. That might happen. Avatar 2 is going to come out at some point in the next 15 years, so we'll get to it. Uh, yeah. Now I just really want to watch E.T. I love that film. I do, too. Have you ever seen Mac and Me, the McDonald's ripoff of E.T.? No. Have you ever seen when Paul Rudd goes on Conan O'Brien promoting a new movie and he always plays the scene from Mac and Me? No. Ooh, you've never seen the Mac and Me scene? No, Ma- John, you've said Mac and Me four times in the last 20 seconds. Okay, okay, so that's your number one. My number one. Yes, it's just... Ugh. My number one... I'm just, like, reading about it and, like, how many themes <laughs> are in there. And, like, you know, there's so many layers to it and there's so many ways to take it. You can take it very literally. You can take it very, like... Ugh. Yeah. My number one is the only movie on my list that wasn't directed by Steven Spielberg, and that's Back to the Future. I forgot you didn't even do your number one. Yeah, I know you forgot I didn't do my number one. Sorry. For, I mean, we did a whole episode on it. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. You can get my thoughts on Back to the Future. It is a nearly perfect movie. Steven Spielberg was very involved in the creative process of it, and it's so much of a Spielberg movie that I forgot he didn't direct it. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't... directed it? Robert Zemeckis, who is also a legendary director, but he was a frequent collaborator of Steven Spielberg. So if you haven't listened, go listen to that episode because you can find like an hour of our thoughts on it. But as you can see, there were notably a lot of omissions from our list. So you can let us know on Instagram and Twitter... What yeah, your favorite if Steven if you're Spielberg? Mad about us. I mad mean, not if you're mad, but you know, let us know what your favorites are because yeah. he has his. Go to his Wikipedia page and look at his filmography. You have to scroll quite a few times to get through the entire thing. He has made a lot of movies, <laughs> and there's a reason. He's had his hand in a lot of movies for sure. Well, but even just his director one, he's directed easily fifty movies. Oh yeah, which is a lot of work. I I think one of the most interesting things, and I did not say it on this, is that he was making Jurassic Park and Schindler's List at the same time and flying in between Poland and Hawaii so he could work on location of both of them. Two wildly far apart places in the world, and this man for like a year was flying consistently between them, (laughs) which is pretty unbelievable to me. But yeah, let us know what your favorite Steven Spielberg movies are. Yes, please. And if you have seen Mac and Me, also let us know. Oh, God. That was a... How long is this? Like an hour 20. Wow. I feel like I just went through a marathon. Maybe it was just a marathon of emotions of me getting worked up about seeing Spielberg films. (laughs) And now I'm just going to go have a freaking marathon watching them. Yeah. I would be very interested to see if, if all of these movies end up on Peacock at some point, because that's NBC Universal, and... I think most of his movies are either Universal Studios or, I mean, Indiana Jones is technically, it's Lucasfilm, so those will be on Disney Plus at some point, but I'd like it if most of his movies are in one place. I'd pay for a Steven Spielberg streaming service, honestly. (laughs) Okay. Oh, there's a lot of good movies. All right, well, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Bye. Bye. 
How do you know they're all female? Is somebody yeah. go out in the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. Yeah. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. 